Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we are continuing a series entitled Stuck. Is this the life that you imagined? And uh, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks. Uh, sometimes when we see a big word like that, we think, oh, Terry, I'm, I'm good. You know, life has been going great, um, so I can just tune out and take a good nap for the next 29 minutes. Some of you are saying I do that every Sunday anyway, so it really doesn't matter. But the truth is, is that we're not talking necessarily about stuck in a major way. Um, in fact, if you've heard me the last couple of weeks, um, Pastor Tommy last week and me the week before, um, some of us are stuck and we don't even know it. We're stuck in a lot of different ways. Um, and if you're, if you're a fan of the Bible, if you've read the Bible, um, then you notice at times, God, I'm stuck in this area. I, I, am, I am inhibiting you from doing incredible things through my life because I'm getting in the way. In fact, this morning um, around the circle, we prayed specifically one thing. We said, God, um, this is your church and, and this is your mission. And God, I pray you'd get me out of the way. Because that's all I do at times is I just get in your way. And Lord, sometimes I get stuck in that. In fact, let's do a little illustration here. And I'm just going to prove something to you. I'm going to make all the introverts really mad at me for just a second. All you extroverts are going to love this. Um, I'm going to ask you in just a second, you don't do it now, but I'm going to ask you in a second um, to stand up. I'm going to ask you to find someone that you don't know that's around you. Don't Now, you real extroverts, don't be running from the back row all the way to the front. Don't do that. Um, but around you, I want you to put your eyes on someone that you don't know. So right now in five seconds time, I want you to stand, find someone you don't know, and I'm going to tell you what to do. Ready? Do that now. Stand up, find someone you don't know. Really quick, real quick, real quick. Okay, okay, okay. This is at the meet and greet time. We've already done that. I know you all are Christians and you're used to saying hello and you extroverts like talking a lot. No, no, no. Stop that now. This is an illustration. You're on my time now. All right, here's what you need to do. Now that you find someone you don't know, I want you to take a look at them really quick. And I want you to do this. I want you to pay them back and forth, pay them one compliment. Do that now. All right, all the introverts are looking at me and they're sweating, so you need to take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do, and I don't want you to be embarrassed to do this. I'm not setting you husbands up or you wives up for failure here. This is just an illustration. I want you to be honest with me. If that is the first compliment that you receive today, I want you to raise your hand. Do that now. Look around this room. Look around this room. Now look at the spouse sitting next to him and say, shame. No, I'm just teasing. I, t- I wasn't going to do that. That's bad. That's bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Now listen. Here's the truth. I'm big on this because I am an extrovert. And I am an encourager. That's one of my spiritual gifts. Society will tell you that for every one compliment, a person receives seven criticisms. And here's the truth, what you just did today. For somebody, you paid them a compliment about themselves. For some of you, you received a compliment that you haven't received about yourself in years because someone else took the time to notice and someone else encouraged you. I like to say, bottom line is, is that today God used you in an incredible way to pay a compliment to someone. And you have no idea when they go home how much that meant to them. 
Because for some, they haven't received a compliment, not just today, but they haven't received a compliment in days, maybe even weeks. See, here's the truth. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short. I think sometimes we limit ourselves. We become stuck because we don't believe that God can do incredible and amazing things through us in sometimes just the smallest ways. And because of that, we don't pay compliments. We don't go out of our way because we think it's not going to make too much of a difference. So why even bother? But could you imagine if all of us just sometimes did what we felt God telling us to do? I have been accused at times, I have looked, I, I, you know, if you know this about me, I'm from Fort Lauderdale, and so I, I do like fashion. I might not look like it at times, but I really do like fashion. And I have gone up to someone out of my way to go up to a lady and say, you know what, that is a beautiful scarf that you're wearing today. I love the color. And I do that because I know how much that means to people when you call something out and you encourage them. And that's just a small way. Do I think sometimes it's a big deal? No, but you know what? The truth is, is God can use the smaller things to make the biggest differences. We're going to open the Bible in just a second. If you're not familiar with the Bible, we can follow along on the screen with us. It's in a book that we call Matthew. It's one of the Gospels and Jesus, about Jesus' ministry. And you're going to see an interaction between Jesus Christ and a young man. And the young man's going to come up to Jesus and he's going to ask him a very incredible question. And I want you to pay attention and we're going to unpack it in just a little bit. Because today is a very special Sunday, and I do believe God is doing something incredible today in the life of our church. And you'll find out a little bit more in just a second. But we're going to open up into Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. You can follow along on the screen, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you got. Here we go. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Pause. I love young men. This young man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I know you're a teacher. Jesus, I know you've been saying lots of great things, but hey, 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 I ain't got time for this, Jesus. I got, I got one question, and I want you to get to the point. The Reader's Digest version, Jesus. Let's cut through all the middleman stuff. I want to know the answer. What do I got to do to get to heaven? I mean, that's, I'm, I, if you know this about this man, he's got wealth. He's got resources. He's been very successful in life. And he's kind of coming to Jesus and say, don't give me any of this heartfelt nonsense stuff. Just give me the answer so I can check it off my list and I can gain what I seek. It's kind of like some of us husbands sometimes with our wives. I did this one time to Jennifer early in our marriage. It it didn't go off like I thought it was going to be. Jennifer came home one day and she looked at me and she said, Terry, she goes, I need you to help me with something. Boom. That activated the launch sequence in the fixer in me. Because as a man, I'm a goal-oriented creature. A fix-it, I'm like, yes, awesome. Finally, some conversation that I like. And I stood there and I looked at her and I said, all right, all right, let's go. Get to it, get to it, get to it. And then she started going down these rabbit trails about all this touchy-feely stuff about these people. And I'm sitting here and not even listening to it because it really doesn't matter because I haven't gotten to the fix it part. And so finally I looked at Jennifer and I said, honey, 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 you want me to help you with something. So let's get the Reader's Digest version right now. Anybody over the age of 35 knows what I'm talking about. The Reader's Digest version. And, and I want you to get to the point so I can help you fix it. I don't really care about all this other stuff. It's not important. That went over really well in my marriage, I'll just tell you that. But we do that. Sometimes we do that with God. God, 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 how many of you have done this? Where you, where you come home every rough day and you're like, all right, God, you and I, we got to have a talk. God, here's what I need. I need this, 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 this. You need to take care of him And by the way, this person, this person, this person, and you need to fix this, 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 and this. Let's get to the chase. I need this done. And meanwhile, God is just looking at us and saying, you know, there's a lot more to the story than what you're just asking for. And Jesus was looking at this young man and Jesus is standing there like, 
you don't really necessarily care about what's involved with eternal life. You just want to check it off a list. We're going to talk more about that next week. So are you really caring about what I have to offer? Or do you just want the answer that you want? So this young man is really not in the heart mode that he needs to be. Continues on. Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But I'll play your game and answer your question. If you want to receive eternal life, fine. Keep the commandments. Now, we're not talking about the Ten Commandments that most of us know about. We're talking about over 600 commandments that the law actually stated a person must do to gain eternal life. In other words, you had to be perfect. So Jesus was having a little fun with him. He's saying, you don't really care about really understanding all of this. So you ask, what do I need to do to attain eternal life? I'll answer your question. Be perfect. Go ahead and do all the commandments. And knowing, I would have loved to have been Jesus because Jesus is standing there. He already knows the guy's heart. He already knows what he's thinking. And he says, be perfect. Do the commandments. Now watch what this guy says back to Jesus. I've obeyed all those commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Could you imagine this guy? In other words, I'm perfect like you, Jesus. I've done, I've not done anything wrong. Now, some of you look and say, that guy's crazy, but how many of you do it every single week? Watch, watch, watch. How many of you have been around someone that is impatient? And everybody around you knows that they're impatient. And you at times, because, you know, God has led you to just, you know, an open door, maybe I need to insinuate, you know, we do that Christian thing where we don't confront. We actually just go around and we just say, you know, hey, you know, I've been like that sometimes in my own way. And sometimes I just have to remember to be patient. And really what you're trying to do is subtly tell them, you need to be a little more patient. And then you're astounded because everyone around you is like, yes, someone finally suggested it to this guy. And then the guy turns and looks at you and says this, I am patient. I'm always patient. And you look around at him and you're like, this guy's crazy. Are you kidding me? Do you have any self-awareness whatsoever? Because you are the least patient person in the world. I can see some of the wives right now just looking forward. They don't want to look at their husbands. They're just looking forward. I understand. I understand. So the guy looks at Jesus and says, huh, I am perfect. I've done all the commandments. And we continue on. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, then fine, buddy. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now watch what Jesus does. Because a lot of Christians don't like this verse. Because we've mistaken it to think that Jesus is attacking rich people. It means if we have stuff that means really in order to be godly, we've got to give it all away. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus looked into the heart of a young man who was prideful, arrogant, and really necessarily didn't want anything that Jesus had to offer. He just wanted to control his destiny. I want to know what I have to do in order to gain eternal life. What good thing do I need to check off my list so I can get to heaven? Just, I don't really care about you. I'm in control of my life. I've been successful. I have control. And so you just need to tell me what I need to do, and then I will do it. And Jesus is looking and saying, you can't do anything to gain eternal life. There's nothing that you can do to get to heaven. If you want to be perfect, but no one is perfect to get to heaven. And so Jesus looked into his heart and said, you know, the truth is, buddy, your stuff, your control, because you have your life in order in the way you want it, fine. Do you really want to know how you personally can go to heaven? 
Give it all away. In other words, give up your control. Give up control of your life. And trust me enough that if you follow me, I'll give you an even better life. That's what Jesus was talking about. He has a different conversation for you and for me. Some of you don't even know if you're going to go to heaven today. And Jesus has a different answer for you. You want to know what it means to get to heaven? It's not about being a good person. It's more about me. And I love the response by the young man. It breaks my heart. Take a look. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. For he had a lot of possessions. He went away sad because he didn't want to give up control of his life. He went away sad because his control was more important than Jesus. And I love the disciples because all the disciples are standing there watching Jesus and watching this happen. And then they're like, did you get it? Nope, have no clue. All right, let's ask him. So the disciples go and they ask Jesus, what is this all about? And here's what Jesus says. And Jesus said to the disciples, I'll tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's very hard for someone who wants control of their destiny and what they have to be with me in heaven because it's about them and not about me. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those that want to control their lives be very difficult for you to gain eternal life because it's not about you. It's about him. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? We don't get this, Jesus. Then who can possibly go to heaven? And he says this. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But if you just trust me, and Jesus looks in the heart of everyone in this room, in the area where you are struggling, and says, you want to know what it means to be righteous, which means a right heart with me? You want to know what it means to be right in line with, with what I want for you? You can't because it's impossible through you. But if you just trust me, I will not only bless you with eternity, but don't miss this. If you want to go to sleep in the next five minutes, go ahead. But listen to this. Jesus looks and says this, through you it's impossible. But if you just trust me a little I will astound you by what I can do in and through your life. I will amaze you at what you can accomplish if you just trust me. You will not only have life, you will have life abundantly if you just trust me. Let me illustrate this another way. I was at home and my son Connor, when he was three years old, I have a son, he's awesome. At three years old, I remember I came home from work and I was, I was there, I was tired. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, you need to put this together. You promised you'd put this toy together for me, Daddy. Okay. So I look and you know what? Uh, you know, I don't pray against organizations, but Toys R Us, you're evil. I mean, let's be honest. Because if you've ever had toys for three years old and under and you open the box and 17,000 pieces come out, they just want to stick it to the dads. Let's just be honest. Or moms too. I don't want to you know, be offended here. So watch what happens. I come home, there's 70,000 pieces. I start putting this toy together. And then Conover in the, Connor in the middle of it, he runs up, he goes, Daddy, put these on. And he has these handcuffs. And I'm like, wait, wait, no, Daddy, just put them on, just put them on, just put them on. I was like, you have the key? Yeah, 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 Daddy, just put them on. So I said, all right, I'll just put these on and play along with my son. You know, he's cute. So, ow, that hurts. I put that on too tight. This is going to be painful for the rest of the mess. But that's all right. We'll just try and do this. And I was like, like this. Oh, that's going to leave a mark tomorrow, but I had to do it. And so I went ahead and I put these handcuffs on. Ow. These really hurt. 
This is comedic effect, I know. There we go. There we go. There we go. So I put these handcuffs on, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with these handcuffs, and Connor sits there, and he walks away from me. And he says, okay, you got them on, Daddy. I said, yeah, I got them on, and they really, really hurt. And um, he says, okay, Daddy. He says, great. And I said, okay, now take them off. And he, and he laughs at me, and he runs away. So I'm standing there, and I'm like, I look at my wife, and she looks, and she just laughs at me too. And so I sit there, I'm like, Connor, Connor, come here, Connor. And I'm chasing my son around like this. Connor, come here, Connor, come here. And so finally I get him, I said, son, you need to take these off of me. And he's like, <laughs> I got you, daddy. And I'm like, yeah, very funny. I'll get you if you know what I mean. Get over here. And so he finally comes and I said, Connor, no, I can't put your toy together because I'm in bondage here. I, I can't do anything with these on. I can't finish what you want me to finish. I can't do anything because I'm in bondage. So you need to let me out. And that's when my son realized, oh, no. And he looked at me and says, well, I don't know where the keys are. And I go, what do you mean you don't know where the keys are? I asked you where the keys are. And, okay, how silly was that for me asking a three-year-old? I mean, let's be honest. So he just looked and he goes, I don't know. We spent the next probably hour or two looking for the keys to these handcuffs. And I realized more than ever what being in bondage feels like because I couldn't do a thing and it hurt. You know, the truth is, Jesus looked into the heart of that rich young ruler. And he didn't see just a young man with his life together. He saw a young man in bondage. And what Jesus was trying to do to that young man was to say, look, buddy, you got this all wrong. I can do so much in and through your life. You are a successful young man, but you don't give a rip about me. You just want to control your life. And so while you think you're doing some hot stuff with your life, I've got so much more. You are in bondage. You don't know it, but you got handcuffs on because you're not letting me do anything in and through your life. Truth is, I think a lot of us have handcuffs on. And I would say the people that are hurting the most are the ones we have handcuffs on. Because the sad thing is there are some of you here who don't feel like God can do anything through you. There are some of you here who don't feel like God can change your family through you. There are some of you here who don't, don't think you can really do anything in your community. And so whenever we at church talk about God can do incredible things through you, you say, yeah, I've heard that before, but God can't because I just don't believe. And it's as if Jesus is looking at you as that rich young ruler saying, no, the truth of the matter is I can do the impossible if you would just trust me. I felt like this in a real serious way about a year ago. I had the privilege of going with Compassion International to Nicaragua. And I had been there several times. And I always had the same feeling. Because I remember getting into a van and driving through the streets of Nicaragua on the outskirts. And I remember looking out the windows and I remember looking at homes that basically just have metal leaned up against each other with cinder blocks holding roofs on. I'll never forget my child. I, I took Connor with me one time to Nicaragua and he saw all these homes with dirt floors that mom sweep. And it was raining and thundering one night and I remember Connor grabbed me and we were in our room in our hotel and he said, Daddy, he said, is the rain getting through the windows? Wait a minute, Daddy, they don't have windows of their house. And I said, yeah. He said, but Daddy, they're getting wet. And I go, yeah, they are, buddy. Daddy, they sleep in the mud? I go, yeah, buddy. It was a real lesson for my son, but he felt like I did. 
Because I looked at all this devastation in this third world country and I remember thinking to myself, there's nothing I can do. And you know what? Even if I do just a little bit, it's not going to make much of a difference at all. And I went with Compassion and they took me to a neighborhood. They took me to a church, a Compassion Center. And I remember looking at the guide and the guide began to walk me around and I remember looking at families. I remember looking specifically, and if you ever go to this country, you'll look at a lot of moms who are out doing laundry, making food, and you'll see a lot of kids around them. The little ones are probably going to be naked, and the rest of them are just filthy and dirty and running around. And you won't see many dads, because in this culture, it's a machismo culture, where the dads find a young, beautiful Nicaraguan woman, And then they have children and then they move on to another bride, leaving a mom and her kids in bondage. And I remember looking at this when I'm with the guide and I'm going, this is just awful. They really are in a state. I mean, what can be done? And I remember all of a sudden reading some of the statistics that I'm going to share with you because it makes me feel like this. I want you to see this. Today, there are over 880 million people that are estimated to be living in slum-like conditions in developing world's cities. 880 million people. What can we do? An estimated 57 million primary school-age children worldwide don't attend school. 57 million kids don't attend school. 57 million kids don't get an education. 57 million kids are illiterate. 57 million kids don't have any shot at any future to get themselves out of their conditions because they really don't have any hope at that point. Nearly half of those living on less than $1.25 a day are children 18 years old or under. Uh, Over 160 million children under age five have inadequate height for their age due to insufficient food. I remember thinking to myself when I saw this stat, God If Connor, my son, was malnourished and wasn't growing at his height, I, along with every other parent here of their child, would do everything and anything to make sure that that child grew. And I remember thinking to myself, God, you know, that's terrible, God. How could a parent? And that's when God stopped me and said, wait a second, Terry. You've got this all wrong. You're stuck. You're like that rich young ruler because you don't get it. And I remember thinking, God, what is it? What is it? And he says, Connor is not your son. Connor is my son. I'm loaning him to you. That is not your child. That is my son. And you know what, Terry? These kids that you're looking at, these kids that are filthy and dirty and don't have any hope, those aren't their kids. Those are your kids because they're my kids. And you should care about those kids like you care about your son because they're my kids. And I remember all of a sudden feeling like the rich young ruler going, I've got this all wrong. And then I read this stat, which should make every heart in this room break. About every 30 seconds, a child dies of malaria, a preventable and treatable disease. Every 30 seconds, 120 children a minute die from a treatable disease. There are 16,000 children under the age of five that die each day due to conditions of poverty. And 
45% of deaths of children under the age of five occur in the first 28 days of life. That means about 7,000 newborn babies die each day due to conditions of poverty. These are thousands of God's kids. Now, if you don't believe in God and if you're really not sure that God is real, then you have every right to sit here and to say, why should I care? But if you believe in God and you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you should care. Like I should care. Because they're not their kids, they're God's kids. And when I stand before him and I go, God, I had a great life. God, I had a great son. God, I had, I had, I had, I had. And God says, yeah, but what did, I gave you so much. What did you do to make a difference? I'll have to look at God and say, you know what? I didn't believe that you could do much. And God will say, you're stuck like the rich young ruler. I remember with my guide in Nicaragua and I looked at him and I said, you know what? We can't do much. There's not much that we could do to change this scenario. I mean, I'm looking at devastation and there's not much. I mean, what could I do to make a difference in this community? They're just going to continue to have no hope. And that's when he said, well, Terry, let me tell you what compassion does. And let me show you how we believe that we can eradicate child poverty. And let me show you how you can be a part. And I want to share it with you today. And the first thing they talked to me about was this called the Child Survival Program. Where in this program through compassion, moms who are pregnant, moms who give birth to kids at a very young age, moms get visited by a doctor who are given care like we have in the States, who are given literacy and education about how they can take care of their bodies, to know what to put in their bodies, what not to do, so that the child, the newborn within them survives those first 28 days and beyond. And I said, well, that's great because you know what? The truth is, is that'll help babies to survive a little longer. But they've got no hope because, I mean, how are they ever going to make it out of this society? How are they ever going to get out of this community to provide a better future and hope for their families? And they introduced me to this called the Child Development Program, where their emotional, mental, economical, social, and physical development is met. In other words, I saw it firsthand, guys. I was there and I looked at this compassion center and I looked into this church and I saw kids coming in, in in their classrooms, being fed hot meals, being taught how to read, being taught how to write. But more importantly, they had an instructor that loved Jesus. They had an instructor that because of Jesus loved these kids. And because of that, more than just a classroom and a school, you had a teacher who looked specifically at the needs of each individual child and tried to sit alongside to help them to be able to grow and to become more educated than their parents so that they would have a different future. And I remember looking and saying, well, this is great, but the truth is we're out in the sticks here, bud. And what kind of jobs or what could they do? I mean, how can they really change? I mean, I'm I'm asking the questions you're asking because I'm like, you know what? You can say all the things you want to say, but the truth is I still don't see a way where a lot of these kids are going to get out of this poverty. And then they say, well, Terry, here's something else that we do because again, the difference in compassion is this, which is why I love them, is they don't just challenge people to sponsor kids. They work through the local church to find the heartbeat of a child, to find the skill set of a child, and to provide the necessary tools so that child learns skills based on their gifts, to give them a leg up, to give them the opportunity to have a job, to earn money, to be passionate about what they do, 
so that they can come back and not only for them, but their generations can be changed. It's called leadership development. Where Christian leadership to change their community. In other words, they give certain kids the opportunity to be able to learn their skills, to be able to pour back into their communities. And I saw some of these older teens who are now learning computer skills, who are now having access to positions in jobs to which they're going to be able to have money like they've never seen before to come back and to change the direction of their family. And when I looked at that, I got to admit, I started to believe that God could do something through me. But if I'm honest, I still was in bondage because I still was doubtful. And so I asked him, I said, what could a guy like me do? And I said, Terry, yes, we have a sponsorship program, but I don't want you to look at it as you're just sponsoring a child up until high school for their lives, through high school. You're doing much more than that because we're on a mission to not just educate children, but to release a child from the grip of poverty so that their children will never know hunger like they did. And if they go through our program, they will have the skills and the opportunity to be able to grow. I remember looking around that center and I saw pictures like these where all of a sudden God says, that's my child. And where you see a mom with a smile on her face. Why? Because her child has a sponsor. And that mom knows that her child will have an opportunity to have success in life. My heart was stolen by this little one. And I thought it was bad enough until she introduced me to her friend. And I remember, I have a son. I remember God looking at me and saying, that's my daughter. And that's your kid. Because you're mine. That's your brother and that's your sister. And then I remember looking across the street at this mom and her child. And through an interpreter, I came up to her and I said, can I ask you what compassion, what this church, what this compassion center means in your life? And she said, my husband left me and we had no hope. But through this church, through compassion, my child, I was able to be visited by a doctor to be able to diagnose. She has one of her sons had a vision problem and she didn't know it, but because of a routine visit by a doctor, they were able to get the medical needs necessary to help her son have a normal life. And because he has a normal life, he'll be able to one day possibly get a job to sustain the family. We brought food and we had the privilege of gathering around and praying for this family. Why am I telling you this? because I believe that God can do something incredible today. And let me tell you practically what I mean. Already in the first service, we saw many individuals stand up and say, we believe that God can do something in and through me. On this table, there are kids from multiple countries. We as a church, we're going to be heading to the Dominican Republic in the next year or two. That's one of the countries that are listed. Where you'll, if you choose to do something incredible today, you'll have the opportunity to meet the child that you sponsor. But on this table, there are kids that need a sponsor, kids that need a future, kids that are in bondage and without the help of somebody, God's kids, they have no hope to be released from poverty. And I'm going to challenge our church. I'm believing and praying that not only we have a lot of kids sponsored today, 
but that all of the kids from the Dominican Republic, we had 100 when we started today, but all the kids from Dominican Republic, and if you choose another child, that's fine too, but that we release them and their generations from poverty. Because I do believe that we can, as a church, make a fundamental difference in a community if we all rally together and believe that God can do something big. Jesus walked up to the rich young ruler and said, you want to do incredible things, come follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad. Today, I believe that Jesus is looking into your heart and mine and saying, you can do incredible things. Trust me, follow me. And the choice today is much bigger than you ever imagined. Because these children have the opportunity to not just be sponsored, but to be released from the bondage that they grew up in. To change the generations of their lives. And I just hope and pray that you understand that those are God's kids. And that tapping you feel on your heart is not indigestion. It is God saying, you have no idea what a small amount of money every month can do to change the course and the history of a generation and a community forever because those are my kids. And so in just a second, Pastor Stephen's going to sing. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm believing today that we can see hundreds of kids sponsored. And as Pastor Stephen sings, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask those of you that feel God saying yes to come to grab one of these children Inside of it, there's a card. You can fill out your information. You even have a place to write your first note to your child. If you don't have time today, you can just put your information and say, just contact me, and they will contact you and help you with the details about how you can begin to help sponsor a child through high school. It's tax deductible. But a small amount of difference can make a large amount of impact in a family's life if you just believe that God can do it through you. Would you pray with me? God, I just... This is you. These are your kids. And this is you standing in front of us and saying, do you believe that I can do the impossible? Because your church has the opportunity to change a country if they just believe. So God, this is your moment. I pray that you would speak directly through the hearts of your people. I pray that in a moment they would stand. I pray that they would not hesitate. They would come and they would make a difference in a family's life. So Father, may you bless this moment and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.